every time I'm almost near a goal, you know, say the seven figure goal, I did it so, so many times where I actually self-sabotage. I dismantled my team. I broke. Um, I would actually lose money. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how she was able to finally break through the seven-figure mark, why it's important not to be too attached to the highs or the lows of entrepreneurship, and how to generate sales from Facebook Lives inside Facebook groups. Today, I'm joined by Roxel Cho from Fuse Hawaii. Fuse Hawaii designs timeless functional swimwear for all body types at all stages of life and is a seven-figure business. I was started in 2016 and, of course, based out of Hawaii. Welcome, Roxel. Hi. Hi, Felix. Nice to meet you. Likewise. So you started this business because of some of your own kind of personal struggles. So tell us more about that. What was the inspiration behind the business? Well, I became a mom. I'm now a mom of four four girls. And so my first child, I basically, you know, my body went through changes. I was surfing at the time. I have an active beach lifestyle here in Hawaii. And basically, I needed a suit that I felt comfortable in, that I could continue my lifestyle in, but feel beautiful and confident in my skin. Makes sense. Okay, so did you have experience before this in designing clothing or swimwear, even more specifically? No, I actually, I graduated from a charter school here in Kona, like literally on the beach. <laughs> um, and I think we, we specialize in marine biology. That high, It was a high school. And that was as far as my education went. So as far as design background, no, I started by purchasing a sewing machine from a garage sale. It was $30, I remember. And it was broken. Now I realize that knowing how to sew now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically started my company on a broken sewing machine. Yeah. Wow. No, no excuses. So, (laughs) so you mentioned that you, you, you first started off by actually making swimwear. It sounded like almost like custom swimwear for others at first, or what was that first? Like, what were your, what were your first products or your first customers when you were actually trying to make money off of the, the swimwear? So my first product was actually it's still our best-selling bikini bottom today. It's called the Kona Bottom, just named after my hometown. Super simple. Um, I would just I basically took five different bottoms that I loved and I took them apart and came home and I cut fabric, sewed fabric together, and I would literally put them on my body to size it, take it to the beach and test it out. And that was our basically, I don't know, product. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how we came up with the first product. And when I started, I started getting interest from, I guess, customers at the time. It was my friends, my friends that, you know, were at the beach with me. They wanted those bikini bottoms as well. And so that's where it started. Got it. Okay. So you got the attention of kind of friends and families. They were your first customers. What, What about like that first like sale to a stranger? Like where did that come from? How did you get that first sale from someone that, you know, didn't like you or love you, didn't know who you were necessarily? How did mm-hmm. you get that sale? I hit the streets, literally. I remember packing a backpack full of bikinis, anything. I was sewing handbags at the time too, so bikinis and I put it in a backpack and we have these canoe races here in Hawaii um, annually and it's their international races. So people from all over the world come to race their canoes at this regatta. So I'm like, these are ocean people. It's my avatar customer in a way. And I went down there and basically sewed things out of my backpack. (laughs) And so uh, that's when I realized, okay, people who are ocean goers, who are active in the water, the person I was as well, they love this suit. And so from there, um, I started doing uh, local craft fairs and markets of course, surrounded by ocean water type people and we were selling out. But of course, at the time I was sewing each and every piece by hand. And so selling out meant 20 units, 40 units, 60 units. So it was whatever I was hand making at the time. 
Got it. So did you ever have any intentions of, you know, quote unquote, getting like a real job, a day job, or you were like, had faith in this from the beginning or, you know, how, how much of a promise was there for, uh, maybe not even a seven figure business, but just something that would sustain your, your life, your lifestyle when you first started out? I have never had a job that's like really a payroll <laughs> type job. Um, mm-hmm. so there was no other options. There was never another option. I've, I've only started things, seen failed <laughs> attempts of quite a few times in businesses. And so I, I just, when I look back at that time and where I am now, it, it's, it's dumbfounding. It blows my mind. But at the same time, it, it was just this path that I needed to be on to be here now. And so it was all mm-hmm. part of this greater plan for me. Sure. So, you know, it was those, I, I think of those marketplaces or those craft fairs where it'd be, some days it'd be raining or winding and I, I'd be under a tent that was like blowing around and like some days I'd feel like a complete loser. I mean, like we, I didn't make a sale or some days you would make a ton of sales and you'd feel amazing. And that's when I realized, you know, you don't ride the highs or the lows. If you can just stay steady and con- consistent and just stay on this constant path, you, you're going to get somewhere. But it's when you ride those highs and those lows that you kind of like are on this roller coaster ride that feels unstable. Well, that, that's definitely an interesting perspective because I, I, I definitely always hear people talk about not to be too stuck on the lows, but you're also talking about not to be too stuck in, in almost like desire or lust after the highs as well. And that allows you to be stable. And it sounds like your goal and your, your advice is just to stay stable so you can, you can stay in the game longer, stay more consistent. So how do you make sure that you aren't being too either super excited about the highs or super bummed out about the lows? So I would always say back, you know, few years ago when I, I, I was really brand new to this journey that as long as I could fund my fun, I would continue doing this. And so looking back, it was, it was that simple. As long as I was having fun, that's when things would be successful. That's when I'd be in flow. That's when I'd be creative. That's when I was like happy from the inside. And that's what your, you know, everything you make is out of that core. So, you know, along the road, we, as entrepreneurs, we, we, we believe, we read things, we believe things, and we start becoming people we think we should be in this process. And that's when I found I was unhappy. You know, I, it it didn't, it wasn't fun. And so for me, fun, you'll hear that a lot from my mouth. It's like who I am, who I know, what I know I need is fun in order to be creative. I need to be having fun. And so that's, it's that simple. It's like always Mm -hmm. play. (laughs) Yeah, that, that's that's a great point. I think the challenge people have with taking this advice is to recognize what is truly going to bring them fun versus what is going to wear them out. So when you made that realization that you were going to optimize essentially for fun and for play, what were some things that you cut out and what are some things that you, you actively pursued to make sure that you would have this kind of experience or, or almost like lifestyle that, that would allow you to have fun in business? Uh, initially it was the people I surrounded myself with, um, whether it be friends, business associates, you know, people that, you know, at that time I, I'm growing like my, my mindset at the same time. So I needed to be surrounded by people who could create a positive atmosphere in me as well. And so at times, like they say, entrepreneurship is a lonely journey. It really is. And so when you're cutting out like friendships or acquaintances and relationships, you're, you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be more lonely. But, you know, I would kind of, um, substitute a lot of that with books and podcasts and breeds. And I fill my mind with positive content and, and just keep this drive really high. And what happens is as you clear that space, um, new friendships come in. You kind of, you make room for these new positive relationships to come into your life. Uh, other things that probably having to clear out, it's, it's basically just for me, it was my, my mindset, my thought process. You know, a a lot of the times I would be creating these stories that would leave me powerless without a choice to, you know, decide what kind of outcome or success I wanted to see. And so learning to change this, the story, my narrative for my life, um, that, that was step one. 
Mm. And this approach of clearing things out, and it's it's painful, right? It's painful, and it's like a long term, or, or like a long term, um, I guess, plan. And when you are trying to cut things out, you might not see results for a long time or right away. So, how did you know that you were making the right decisions when you were, you know, cutting certain friendships that were maybe not conducive to your your goals and your plans, or or you know, change the way that you're thinking about things? Like that kind of stuff takes a long time. So, how did you know to stick with it? rather than revert back to what you're more kind of comfortable with? Well, you know, I, I've never been a data-driven person. Um, I've never been one. My narrative has also always been, which I'm trying to shift, is, you know, I, I've never been data or numbers-driven, so I could never look at the analytics, right? I couldn't look at sales. I couldn't understand a lot of my balance sheet, my profit and loss, and all of these things I'm, I'm learning in this process. So what I had to gauge myself by my you know, results by would be how I felt. Like, was I happy? Was, did that make me feel successful? Did, did it make me feel accomplished and fulfilled? And at the end of each day, asking myself that and actually feeling how I felt. And some days if I made bad, you know, decisions or choices in my business, feeling that as well, like, you know, feeling, feeling pain sometimes, you know, is a good reminder of not to do that again. Mm, got it. So w- w- nowadays, like, what do you stress about? I, I can't believe, I can't, for some reason, I can't believe that there's any founder out there that is so zen that they're not stressing about something, but it sounds like you are pretty close to it. So these days, what what do you stress about? Um, my biggest stress factor will always, I mean, but like my number one, like I say, money mindset. It's always, for me, money. I'm growing out of it a little. So it's, it's, it's constantly getting better. But as, as a female entrepreneur, as a minority woman in business as well, we have a lot of, I was raised with a lot of money blocks. And so Mm -hmm. that's been my biggest challenge in growing a seven figure business is just overcoming that. And those are all just narratives. They're just stories. They only have control over me if I give it that power. And so some days I fall back into that narrative and I give it that power. And so it's um, just realizing when I'm doing that. And then again, we, we can choose otherwise. And when you say blocks, you mean like these mental blocks or you're telling yourself a story about how, for example, like you, a seven-figure business is not, is not something that you build. It's something that someone else builds. Is that like the idea of like what you mean by these blocks or something else? Well, you know, I grew up, I, a little bit of background is I grew up in on in section eight housing on welfare. You know, I, I, I know the world of addiction and abuse and all of the things, right. That, that life is made up of. And, it, and then coming out of that, as a child, I, I learned that those things were your story. That's what you were supposed to be. And, you know, that's your narrative and you continue down that path. And then I realized, you know, as I'm growing this business that, I can change that because what happens initially if we continue living those stories is as I hit a million dollars in revenue, um, I actually started self-sabotaging my business. And so every time I'm almost near a goal, you know, say the seven figure goal, I did it so so many times where I actually self-sabotage. I dismantled my team. I broke. um, I would actually lose money. I didn't know it was intentional in a way to get me back into this comfort zone. Like I knew the feeling of struggle and I could be there forever because it was comfortable. So struggling would always be my story as a business owner. Mm -hmm. If I continued telling that story and the moment I decided to get into discomfort a little bit, taste what success felt like a little bit and become the person you actually need to be to run a seven figure and eight figure business. That's scary. And it's, yeah, just learning how to become this person who attracts that. Wow. That, that's, that's super insightful where you're talking about you, you don't, you have to not only be comfortable in the struggle, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs, if they stay in the game long enough, become comfortable in the struggle. But you're talking about being comfortable in the success and almost like stepping into the shoes of someone that is successful and being comfortable there and not always gravitate towards making things hard for yourself. So when you recognize this, that you get to be more comfortable in success, what actions do you have to take to, to I guess, live that way? Um, stop sabotaging your happiness. <laughs> and so 
it's not as noticeable either. You know, it's, it's so comfortable to complain about all the things we don't have. It's so comfortable to, to just be in that negative state, state of mind and say all things are hard. Like it's easy to do that, but it's actually really difficult to own your accomplishments, to own your success. And that's, that's my number one goal in staying in business. Like it's, it's not, business isn't always fun, but what's fun for me is to see the, you know, my community being able to see me as a female entrepreneur rising and standing in these really big shoes. It feels like on some days and believing in myself and standing here a little longer, because as you, as you do start believing in yourself, you, you get judged along the way. And you feel judged and, and that judgment sometimes makes you want to play small and keep quiet. That way, you know, you don't get as much attention on you. And a lot of attention also means negative attention. And so, um, yeah, just feeling the feelings, a lot of times feeling joy and happiness. I wasn't taught that when I was a kid, like that was not my normal. So, you know, the, for, for me, feeling the good feelings is actually something I'm getting used to. So what is that? I guess how do you how do you practice that in your daily life? Is it just like you know people do things like gratitude journals? Like what is it that you did to be able to you know like you said own your success more? Is it just like celebrating them more? Like what is it that you do on a daily basis or regular basis to instill this this kind of new I guess uh, habit? So it's it's definitely a personal journey. So initially, I would start with a lot of journaling. Um, I would start with a lot of just, you know, your, your goal setting journals. Now I, I haven't journaled as much recently, but I transition, I just go by what, what I feel. So, you know, whether it's affirmations, uh, some days currently for me, it's a lot of like just meditation. A lot of it is just being with myself in nature, observing my thoughts, observing my thoughts, meaning my fears, my, like my feel, feel everything that, that kind of just floats by and just observe it without reacting. And it's that space in between my thought and my action that I'm able to actually gauge what the right step is. And so it's creating these gaps in, in time. So, so many times we're rushing and we're making decisions so quickly. Like we, we have to do that. It's a life or death situation there. But most of the time, if we just create the space we can create these new patterns in our mind or our brains that it's possible to just take our time, like be in flow, make really good decisions and and take our time doing that. It's, it's not a lot of the things that I thought were so rushed and needing me at all times. It, it wasn't the truth uh, when I was able to observe those thoughts in silence. A lot of times it was just a story. Mm. So do you purposefully slow down your your actions or like your like uh, not necessarily your progress because I, I don't I think that your idea is to slow it down so that you make more progress but do you like actively try to pace yourself more definitely um, it's just that my intention every single morning and evening and throughout the, the day is setting my intentions of how I want my day and my life to look. I mean, we, we get on an airplane, we know exactly where we're going. We get in a car, we know exactly where we're going yet. We get into our day and we don't even think it's valuable enough to set an intention of knowing where our lives are heading. And so that, yeah, that's, that's important to me. What do you have to say? What what would you say to entrepreneurs out there that feel this like impatience for success or this impatience for reaching a goal where they just feel like they are almost in pain until they get to their, I guess, um, idealized state of success? I would say on like on those days, what I what I would tell myself as well is what is the one thing today in this moment in this day that's actually possible because sometimes the big goals and accomplishments they're they're further out than we'd like so what is the one step we can take today that well, many a times it doesn't cost a thing maybe it's a phone call maybe it's writing something maybe it's recording some content whatever it is what is the possible thing that we could do today that could move us and nudge us forward towards that big goal got it okay makes sense all right so i think that was certainly a 
a great overview of like the mindset that's required to to scale up the this business, you know, from nothing to all the way to like a seven figure business. So I want to talk a little bit about the the very beginning of the seven figure business when you started trying to sell this online. Now, tell us more about that. Like, how did you set that up? Where were you getting your initial customers online? So first, I had the, a brick. I had a retail uh, location, and we were losing money about ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month. I had a year left on my lease, and if you know, rent in Hawaii is expensive. And I'm like, okay, I can't sustain this. We're literally we're going to go bankrupt. <laughs> and that had been my story as well. You know, growing up, we I seen bankruptcy, um, and so I decided it. Like, what else am I going to do? And my husband had told me, well, why don't you try Facebook ads? Like, why don't you try your Shopify store and figure out Facebook ads? I hear it's a thing. We knew nothing about it. And I was like, well, I heard I heard something. You either go bankrupt over a duplex or a mansion. What's the story you want to tell? So I'm all about a cool story. So let's let's go big. And I had a credit card left with about 20 grand open on it. And I went onto Facebook and I threw spaghetti at the wall and see, seen what would stick. And I figured it out enough. I mean, it was like building out an image in Canva with like a flat lay bikini on a white backdrop with like an offer. I had no idea what I was doing. I was writing copy myself. I was building this ads in the business manager by myself. Like I was it was crazy when I look back, like it's, it's, a, it's a little crazy, but I made, I learned enough to pay down my credit card daily. <laughs> and so it was like working enough to, for me to learn. And I view that it was, it was like my, I was paying for my education at the time. So, you know, it, it kept me going again. I was funding this process. Um, you know, was it, was it super profitable off the start? No. And that's where, I think a lot of people, when they get into Facebook ads, they lose a ton of money and then they quit. But I just kept learning. I just kept implementing the new lessons I was learning and just getting better. And um, six months later, I was pretty darn good at Facebook ads. Uh, yeah. So, so you mentioned earlier about how you were losing what fifteen to twenty thousand a month and on a trajectory towards bankruptcy. How, in a situation like that, I think most people out there probably are not in such dire straits. But because you've been to this extreme, how do you remain calm in this space and not kind of just freak out and just you know ex- implode the entire thing and try to find something you know quote unquote more like safer a safer way to earn a living? That's like I think that was my strength from when I when you're used to like being coming from from nothing from the, from the bottom up and rising right it's like you're not a you don't have as much fears of losing a lot and so yeah it was I, I just didn't attach to the results that was like to define my success right it wasn't it was a, a monetary gain a lot of time that I would gauge my success by it was who I was in this process and so yeah, losing money, I just never correlated that to my success. And so I guess coming from nothing and having nothing as a child, like a kid growing up was my strength in a way. I, I, I don't have the fear of like losing everything and having to live in a tent at the end of the day. Like I did that before. So it's not yeah. really scary. Yeah, I think people, <laughs> well, I think there's a, I think you have an interesting, a very important perspective that I think other entrepreneurs uh, can benefit from, which is that, when you are able to take these kind of risks because you are not afraid of losing everything or wasting your time, you are able to stay in the game longer and maybe even trusting yourself more to see yourself to give yourself <clears throat> to give yourself the chance to to figure it out. So for anyone out there that is afraid of losing everything because they've never been there before, they've never been to you know the bottom like like the like the the place you came you came from. What do you have to tell them about that, the bottom or losing everything to give them some kind of comfort so that they are not so fearful to take risks or trust themselves more to to take on you know, big decisions? I think that what even as I'm here now and I'm not at this like bottom bracket or, you know, wherever that is, um, I have to constantly remind myself because if I if I don't remind myself of this, um, I'll start believing all the hype around me, right? 
the society we live in and all the things it teaches us about what's important. But if I could tell them one thing, I would say that there is beauty at the bottom. There's a beauty there that you, you'll you never be able to grasp if you haven't been there before. And, and that's why like the most successful people, every single person you know that inspires you has a story to tell that inspires you because they've they've been to that dark place and right. It's, it's in that darkness that you're able to find your light. Mm, agreed. Now you mentioned that you, you just kind of took, took this risk and tried to figure out Facebook ads, knew nothing about it, had a $20,000 limit credit card and just tried your luck. But anyone else out there that also wants to learn Facebook ads, like what do you recommend these days or what do you recommend that maybe you did uh, for anyone that wants to just, have some money just to spend to to learn how to use Facebook ads? Uh, for me, if I could go back in time, you know, I would strongly suggest building a community. Like if you don't have a business yet and you're looking to start one, like I had to go into Facebook ads right off the bat because I had bills to pay, right? And so if you don't have that and you're just looking to be an entrepreneur one day and start your own business, build a community, build an audience, have fun, like, Post pictures and content that you love because that joy is just going to build a bigger community that's just loyal to you and your mission. And like when you're ready to start a business, that's all in place. Like you're, you're not just having to rely on advertising or a platform like your community. If you value them, they'll value you. And the value always is in reciprocity. <laughs> hey. Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Mm. So speaking of building a community, you mentioned to us that you have uh, experience and you have built a Facebook group as well. What made you make that decision to start also building a Facebook group, even though you were already you know, doing well with kind of paid traffic? What made you decide to build a, a Facebook group? I was getting just like bored of the game. I was getting a little bit, uh, felt a little bit unattached to my community. As you get into these bigger numbers, you start losing focus. Like you start looking at projections and, and things that, you know, a business makes business. And so I started this Facebook group on a whim and I called it empowered by fused Hawaii, all one word. Like I didn't even make it really easily searchable. And I just put it out there to engage with my customers, like one-on-one. -on -one, I even, I built it under my personal name as well. Like it wasn't attached to my company name. I wanted to, as the founder, to like talk to my customers like I used to do at the marketplaces and one-on-one -on -one and get to know like who was this bikini buying woman on the other side of the screen and who, who was she, what was her story and how am I helping her and what else can I do? Mm. So by having a Facebook Facebook group, you're able to just understand your customer more, understand your community that you're building more? Yeah, it's like it's a definitely I view it like a fun hangout with all of my girlfriends and like the women in there. We will jump on daily and we're just like engaging. I'll, I'll be sitting on the couch laughing at my cell phone some days because I'm like engaging with my customers. Like I've never met them before in real life, some of them, but it feels like friendship and we're forming friendships in there and they're forming friendships through this community in their own States. And yeah, it's, it's just been just fun. <laughs> it's fun again. Mm -hmm. And now what did you do to start growing the, the Facebook group? Initially it was just inviting my audience, like my email list, my customers, and they would invite their friends then now we started to run ads promoting the group. And so, yeah, just using all platforms now to kind of point, come and join our community because that's where, that's where a lot of the value is. It's just in these real people getting together. Like it's not me having to tell them or to market to them. They're just talking about their own authentic experiences with bikinis, their bodies, their joys, their you know, encouraging one another. And so I'm kind of hands off. Like when I go into the group, it's like, how can we have fun? How can we have more fun? Mm -hmm. So you, you said you, you run ads promoting the group, which I think uh, I haven't seen too many people take this approach. Can you say more about this? Like what do the ads look like? 
So uh, some of them will just be um, maybe videos or stories that have come from group members, photos. Um, also, we do giveaway promotions that, you know, if if they join our group or if they join the giveaway, you know, we kind of redirect them to the group. It's basically, yeah, it's a lot. It's a big investment. Like I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars to hopefully curate an experience and a community. And it's a loss off the front end. There's no, there's no way that I could say if this isn't my bigger mission in life, (laughs) that this is a good idea. But like, I would definitely not say to invest the amount of money I did to do this, unless it's something you're truly passionate about. Because the money that's in, and you know, I've invested in this process, it doesn't come back right off the bat. Um, A lot of times these, I give away things, I'll run low end, like offers almost giving away (laughs) products to build this community that I believe in only because I know that when you, when you give in Hawaii, we call it the Aloha spirit and it's give giving and giving without, you know, any, what is that expectation of receiving anything in return? And it, for me, it's like, if that is not true, I, I, that's just the life I want to live. And so if it's not true, then, well, I'll see if it works or not. And I'll mm-hmm. <laughs> can you, can, I mean, can Facebook groups be used as like a, a sales channel? Like, can you generate sales from Facebook groups that you've built? Yeah, we have like, um, some days we'll have like live parties in the group where I'll like, um, we'll do kind of live reveals, um, within the group and I'll sell, sell there. And Yeah. On those, I mean, they're so wanting com- like more that we actually don't have the inventory to supply enough for my group. So oh, you'll okay. see when you get there, it's like we give them like limited. What we do with the group is we give them uh, early bird offers. We'll give them limited prints that they're not able to get, you know, on the site unless they have a certain link. And so, yeah, and and these live parties are just you know, we'll, we'll get in and do, it's just like me and live reveals of certain prints. And so, mm. okay. So you're, you're revealing basically like new products. It's almost like a product launch. Yep. And what's nice is they tell you what they want. They're like, we want this design. We want this print. We want this style. And so just listening to your customers and getting the stuff they want to buy. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like that, that media, yeah, that media feedback is like, it speeds up so much of your mistakes that you could make if you're just going off on your own without having such easy access to your biggest fans. So how often are you doing this? How often do you do you go live inside your group to do these kind of reveals or or even just to, I guess, that first and then also just in general, just kind of producing content without the, uh, I guess, the focus on products? I just do it whenever I feel like it. Um, honestly, I have a marketing team now and they would, they actually were like, Oh, you should do it at when you reach 20,000 or when you, and I didn't because I didn't feel like having a party that day. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. I have to be like energy energized and I have to be authentic and I want to be there when I want to be there. And so I pop in, you know, I think I popped in at 25,000 because I, that's when I felt excited about it. And so, yeah, I just, it's, I, there are ways to do it probably better, but for me, in order for me to continue operating in this joy and this atmosphere of fun and creating that, I just have to go by my like internal dialogue. And so there's, yeah, there's no, it's like, how do I feel? Do I feel like having a party today? Cool, let's do that. Mm. Now, how big is the group these days? Um, I think we're just going to be at 40,000 40, members. Mm-hmm. And so we started last year. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, so we started growth last can be quick. April, I want to say, where we really kind of got engaged with that. And, and when, you were, when you were growing this group... Were you the only one in there kind of creating content at first? Did you have, you know, moderators, like people helping out from the team, helping get the conversation going? Like what is the the teamwork that's involved in running a, a group early on and then definitely now with 40,000? So currently, um, well, initially, 
Hopefully it was just me and I would just go live and have like just these casual conversations kind of like we're having here. And um, of course, when we grew to about eight or 10,000, I, I have a moderator in place. We also have a team of support agents on the back end to kind of just curate customer uh, concerns or questions. You know, as as we grow, it's become really a whole business in itself to just run the group. And so it's this learning process now of how do you create this really fun, authentic atmosphere. But at the same time, you know, as people are coming in, you know, on Facebook, there's, there's trolls, there's bots, there's like a lot of profiles that we need to go through to provide a safe space for these women to come and, and share their stories and be vulnerable. So it's where we're super strict in the group. We have rules, um, you know, basically like negativity isn't allowed. Anything that I wouldn't allow in my regular everyday life comments uh, towards myself uh, get deleted. And so if it's not adding to a positive atmosphere, we remove members, we block them, we delete them. It's it's a very, trying to create a very safe space. And with that, you know, comes feedback towards that as well. And so it's it's a different it's a different experience right now, like working with a community. It's not just a business, it's real people and it's real emotions. And I, you know, I, I believe the most human brands win. Uh, yeah, I think the curation of the, the group and the kind of attitudes is essentially that you're, you're looking for uh, will certainly attract that same type of attitude, right? The more you can curate, the more you can attract that type of person into your group. So when you talk about negativity, I definitely get the idea of like getting rid of trolls, deleting comments from trolls or deleting comments that are, uh, you know, saying mean things to you. But when you say negativity, does that also include like people like venting or frustrated? Like, is that what you would consider negativity as well? Usually if, if it's to where opinions are stated really strongly and it's it's having to bring down another's opinion to state your own opinion that's where if it's not lifting and uh, that's those are the comments that we get deleted mm-hmm. so they're there you know everybody is welcome to their own opinions but in this community that we're forming we, you know we encourage really strong opinions to be on their own platforms because what happens there is it just curates an entire thread of people fighting each other through their opinions, Mm -hmm. which is totally fine. But this place is like a place of non-judgment where opinions can Mm -hmm. lie without having it brought down by someone else. And so, you know, to place your opinion is fine, but to place it and bring down someone else's would not be okay. Got it. Makes sense. Definitely a nuanced uh, perspective on how to handle that kind of. It, it requires a lot of attention to basically to make sure that things don't get out of control. Um, now you you mentioned so it seemed like the, these Facebook lives in this in the group have have done a lot for your business, not just giving you that feedback that you need to understand what your customers want, but then you've also been able to actually generate sales through it as well. So are these like just like spontaneous Facebook lives or is there any promotion or kind of planning involved in, in doing like uh, a live that has the intention of generating sales? I mean, of course we're a business, so of course we do want to generate sales, but if you really, so if I strip down to the, my behind the scenes process of our last party of 25,000 members, um, for, for me to do my job, I have to be stress-free. I have to be uh, like present with the, with the camera, with my community. And so I have, you know, I have the habits built in me to stress out, to like procrastinate and wait to the last minute and try to get everything done perfectly and built out. And mind you, it's like a lot of times it's me building out the site on the back end. And I'm not a computer web designer or anything. If you look at my website, I built it. It's not great. Like, and so to set up this party the night before, I caught myself going into this loop of perfection thoughts and trying to create this perfect experience. And then those are the times where if I can stop to observe those thoughts, I realize what was important was to have a fun experience. And so I made it super simple. I got 25 items 
that what we were going to promote the next day for the 25K party, put them in a plastic tub and numbered them 1 through 25 and built out 25 surprise items on our site on a landing page. And that's where I directed them to. And on the party day, I just said, this is item number one (laughs) revealed. And so as much as I would love to say I had a lot of time and curation, most of my time goes into my energy and creating like this person that has to hold the space for this community. And mm. so, so, yeah. so you're, you're almost like working on yourself so that you kind of get out, uh, get out of your own way so that you can perform, whether it be on the Facebook Live or just in business in general. Yeah, I believe that it, unless we get out of our own way and we we stop being our obstacle, right? Things are not going to flow in, whether it be cash flow, <laughs> energy flow, anything in life. My team that supports me flowing in and out, like I'm not able to be supported if I'm not allowing them to support me, which would be me not micromanaging or doing all the things. Mm. Do you think that entrepreneurs in general, the ones that you know or see see and hear about, like do we do we do we typically overthink this entire process? There's both sides of an entrepreneur. There's the entrepreneur that just jumps out of the plane and figures out the parachute on the way down, and then there's the there's just parts of our ourselves that yeah we get caught up in that perfection mindset. I mean, it's, it's normal. And, and that's the, that's the beauty of it all. We should be able to access all of these emotions, but not get stuck there. And, and, you know, we should be able to access it because when we're not able to fear, I mean, feel fear, feel the depths of every emotion, that's also not healthy. So to feel Mm -hmm. all the emotions, even the self doubt, like I feel that as well, but I don't get stuck there anymore. Mm, makes sense. So rather than being stuck and have your attention focused on either negative feelings or super positive feelings, what do you like to focus your your attention on on like a daily basis? Um, my kids laughing. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> my husband and I like just enjoying life together. The I mean, I live in Hawaii, so just looking out my window and enjoying a sunset or the ocean or the wind or the trees, like the things that really matter, because at the end of the day, you can, this business can fall in overnight. The market is the market. I don't control that. So focusing on the things that are in my control, which would basically only be me and my thoughts (laughs) and the, my emotions. And so, yeah, that's all I can control. Everything else is not in my control. And so I'm not going to divert any energy to feeding that thought. Mm. So speaking of things that are out of your control. So you mentioned that you had four kids, which it's a tough, is, <laughs> is, I think a lot of people out there probably don't have necessarily four kids, but there are plenty of other parents out there that are entrepreneurs. When you do have that kind of, you know, I guess role in your life, how do you balance both that or any advice that you have for other either aspiring or, or struggling entrepreneurs that are also parents. That takes me back to like the day where I'm eight months pregnant and it's, it is eight months pregnant with my third or second, I'm losing track, but, mm-hmm. and it was holiday season and I'm literally like we were, I was helping pack orders at the time. And I just remember the thought going through my head, like, if you can do this, imagine what you can do once you get through this. And that's kind of, it's kind of my, my feel like everything that is happening to me is there to either teach me a lesson to grow and to learn from it. And so I just take life as it comes to me. And I, I'm usually like, I I usually don't even know what day it is, what time it is, because I'm trying to just be present and just there that like, that's really all I can handle. If I were to think about the reality of my life, like I have four kids and it is crazy every single day. And so if I were to be there in that thought process, I don't think I would be able to get through the day. And so I have to be handling everything as it comes my way. And that's all I really can handle. And just be like, let go a little, surrender a little to life because, and, and let it surprise you. 
Yeah, I like that phrase where you set yourself. If I can, if I can do this, then imagine what I can do after this. And I've heard something similar to this. I think that really resonated with me, which is that whenever something happens to us or something tough, situation is tough for us, we always the default to asking, "Why is this happening to me?" And one way that I've seen a phrase differently is, "Why is this happening for me?" Thinking of it as more like a gift of like the training grounds, basically that gives you that the gift of that training grounds too. Elevate yourself, right? To 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 rise to to a new level that can un- unlock, you know, whether that mean business, a new a new a new level for your business, or a new level in your career, or whatever it is that your goal is, is that it first starts off with the transformation of yourself, and then by transforming yourself is when you have the opportunities really to take on the bigger challenges and the you know the bigger gifts. So I think that's really important about how rather than start so focused on all the challenges you have, like be, you know, grateful. I think sometimes it's hard to do, but be grateful for them because through the challenges, it allows you to actually change, right? And hopefully for the better. Yeah, I I mean, I think like, what are we really building our businesses for? I think we forget why we started and what's really motivating us. You know, a lot of the times it's the simple things (laughs) like our families, like our joy, like our happiness. And we seem to get lost in the stresses of life along the way, which is totally normal, but we can also choose to change that dialogue. Definitely. So I want to talk a little bit about the timeline. So we first kicked off this episode by saying that you started in 2016. We alluded to the fact that it's a seven-figure business. Can you give us an idea of like the kind of milestones hit along the way and like what was the scale or growth of the business as we as you pr- progressed? So in 2016, towards the, the last two months, I started jumping onto Facebook ads. So November, December. And I think we, we did only like 180,000 that year. But of course, majority of it was in November and December. Uh, 2017, it was, we jumped to about 500,000. 2018 is when we finally did seven figures and passed it. I believe it was at 1.3 million. 2019, just last year, we closed at 2.5 million. And my projection for 2020 um, this year I actually wanted to just sustain the numbers we had because scaling is hard, <laughs> capital wise. And that's another thing to, to talk about, um, for entrepreneurs is like, yes, we can project right now that we can double again to 5 million. But of course it's, if we have all our ducks in a row and you purchase properly and don't dump too much money into advertising. <laughs> Now, now, when when you think about the the challenges to break through to these different milestones along the way, which stage would you do you do you think was the hardest for you to go from you know one year's uh, goal, one year's uh, I guess uh, sales figures to next? What 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 phase was the most difficult or required the most out of you? Definitely the seven figure number in your head. Sometimes, or in my head, there was some sort of block, and I think. Literally, I got stuck right before there to convince myself that I was possible, that I was capable of running a business past seven figures. For some reason, I've created this roadblock in my head. And once I could see the other side of that and I could see myself being that person who was able to operate at that potential, um, then then it was easy. And it's the same, you know, it's the same, like right now I feel pretty comfortable with this scale, but I, I'm thinking the next jump is that, that eight figure mark for some reason I have to, I have to be prepared. And that's when I realize every pitfall along the way is preparing you for that, say the seven figure brand that I now have. There is no way I would be able to sit here and have this conversation at this ease um, if I hadn't gone through all the things it took to be here. Mm. Yeah, for some people, or for you, you mentioned it was seven figures. For, for some people out there, it might be the six figures that seems like a roadblock. Or maybe it's even like the first sale seems like a roadblock for a lot of people. So what did you do to break through this this roadblock, this almost this, uh, this um, false ceiling for yourself? Look at my... F- like what was the biggest thing that was scaring me at every moment? What was my biggest fear was my biggest fear? Maybe when I first started facing rejection of a customer, not liking my product or my friends teasing me because I'm selling things at a craft fair and they had real jobs, 
you know, those were like, what are my biggest fears? And then staring them in the eye, feeling it, feeling what it felt like, because it doesn't feel good being rejected, but that's what it takes to be a seven figure brand. So I had to feel that. And still now, like, what is my, what is my biggest fear? What am I really afraid of? And then sitting with that for a while, letting it, letting the feeling sink in and normalizing it so it doesn't scare you as much. Got it. Now let's talk a little about the running the the business. So you are there any particular apps or tools or services that that you rely on heavily to help keep this running as smoothly as possible? Not any that I really love. <laughs> like I'll mm. be honest, there there's not like a favorite app that I have. Everything has like something that is not great, and so. You know, right now I'm currently in the works of redesigning my entire site and creating an again a custom experience. And so, yeah, I, I haven't I, I haven't found anything I sure. would love to put my name on for sure. recommendation. Got it. But so you mentioned you're redesigning the site. What is the uh, the intention of doing that? Like what was what were some what are some of the goals that you want to achieve by this redesign? Currently, it's it being that the site is just me put, building it out myself from day one. Um, there's the experience isn't there. The community isn't on the front page. I want them to be able to go to the home page and feel like I'm welcoming them into my home, and not just like a sales generating site. I want you to have a feeling and feel our community, like meet our fuse family in the process, like introduce you to my story as well as the stories of others on, on the homepage. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, but you're just like, is it more imagery and more, more tech? Like what is the, how do you, how do Definitely. you make sure you communicate um, More that? imagery, more Hawaii aspects. Like I'm from the big Island of Hawaii. I want our volcano on the front page along with our beach. Like, you know, we're not just a bikini brand that, you know, when people see beach, it could be anywhere. It could be Florida, California. When they see a volcano and a beach, like it's definitely <laughs> only the big island. That's true. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm strong on, <laughs> my stance that I want there. And other things is just, again, going back to the community parts of it, sharing stories, sharing transformations of other women. Um, we also have like a trade gallery that I want to feature on the homepage um, where if you buy a suit, we actually trade and they buy and sell and trade within our community. So they don't only buy from me anymore. They're buying from each other, which is not recommended as a business. Like, you know, it's like, why, why am I, a lot of the things is questionable that we do, but I know that that engagement builds community. And I know for the bigger picture that I'm after, that's valuable. Awesome. So FuseHawaii.com is the website. And I'll leave you this last question. What do you feel like needs to happen this year for you to consider the year a success? Allow myself to be supported by my team and everyone around me. Um, a lot of the times as entrepreneurs, I we've tried to do everything ourselves and we carry all the weight on our shoulders. And so this is the first year where I'd like to surrender to this process and allow support to flow in into my life. Awesome. Thank you so much, Roxelle. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. Shopify.